0: Hello and welcome to Dyslexics Wanted, celebrating the unique strengths and creativity, so often the hallmark of people with dyslexia. This is Jordan Rich, and the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia is inviting you to join this podcast. If you or someone you care about has a story to tell, we'd consider featuring it right here on the Dyslexics Wanted podcast. Send us your story, email us, jordan at chartproductions.com, or call and leave a message, 781-356-1500. Today, we're going to explore the concept of neurodiversity with two outstanding guests. Dr. Rhoda Bernard is managing director of the Institute for Arts Education and Special Needs at Berklee College of Music in Boston. She's a leader in the field of arts education and a tireless advocate for differently abled people. And by the way, the website you want to check out is berkeley, B-E-R-K-L-E-E dot edu forward slash B-I-A-E-S-N. Once again, berkeley, B-E-R-K-L-E-E dot E-D-U forward slash B-I-A-E-S-N. Also, with me, Larry Rothstein of No Limits Media, a nonprofit organization focused on showcasing and empowering the different abilities of people with disabilities. His website is nolimitsmedia.org, and Larry will be sharing with us his own experiences with dyslexia. My two guests and I share a similar past growing up in the same small town south of Boston that's the town of Randolph, Massachusetts. All three of us graduated from the same high school in that town. So let's enjoy a discussion now with two outstanding community leaders who are helping to make a difference. First of all, to Dr. Bernard to tell us the origin story of the Institute for Arts Education and Special Needs at Berkeley.
1: Great question. Um, so actually, the Berkeley Institute for Arts, Education, and Special Needs has its roots in my earlier work at Boston Conservatory. So as many of your listeners probably know, Boston Conservatory and Berkeley College of Music legally merged in 2016, June 1st of 2016. Prior to the merger, I was working at Boston Conservatory. I started there in 2004, um, where I was the chair of graduate music education, running graduate programs to train people. To be public school music teachers. Um, But it's interesting, as I tell this story, I'm going to go back to our roots, Jordan, if you will, because I was entering Randolph High School in 1980, right after Proposition Two and a Half was passed. And so the fabulous arts program that I was looking forward to had been severely cut.
0: That I took advantage of. Because I graduated in 76, age is now clearly available to everybody.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: And I remember when that happened and how tragic it was. Political views aside, it was a tough, tough go. And it still is for arts programs.
1: Absolutely. So thanks to Charlotte Brown and Dave Berry and Don Nelson, who did a lot of work for us on their own time, because at that time they couldn't get paid for it, to continue our arts education. They instilled in me the value of arts education and participation for all and what it means when someone can't participate. So when I was back at Boston Conservatory, um, starting in 2004, running these graduate programs, training music teachers, I established a number of partnerships with different organizations to provide music education opportunities for people who didn't otherwise have them. And one of those partnerships was with a school for children with disabilities. So the work started Mm. back in that early partnership. And then in 2007, I started actually offering programming. That grew and grew and grew in lots of different fun ways that we could Explore And then the merger happened, and that allowed us to found the Institute at Berkeley, which has, again, allowed us to increase our offerings in a number of ways.
0: Well, Larry, it's really true that so much has changed. I remember when the Disabilities Act was passed in the early 90s, <clears throat> and the uh, attention to people who were differently abled, I'll use that uh, term, really started to come to the forefront. And, and even today, uh, so much more is open and available, thank goodness, to people who have disabilities.
2: Yeah, I have passed under the uh, first President Bush uh, at that time. The Republican Party was very open and um, amenable to uh, working in this area and, uh, and using the laws to open up possibilities for people. Uh, unfortunately, the ADA Act is uh, 27 years old or so, and there's been uh, some progress. But there is other areas where there has been very little progress, such as just getting jobs and also uh, in the area of, uh, uh, excuse me, violence against people with disabilities. Mm. They're Mm. a forgotten group, and there's very high levels of violence against people with disabilities. But the stuff that Rhoda is doing is showing the abilities of people with disabilities, and that's what No Limits is about. We've worked in the area of film and television.
0: I've done a lot of work in the area of dyslexia in bringing to the forefront the stories of those with dyslexia we'll talk with you specifically larry because you are a dyslexic Mm -hmm. anyone's true talent is sometimes locked away until an educator comes along or a mentor or someone notices it and brings it out so let's talk about how the institute works who are some of the who are the students first of all who are they
1: so we have three different areas of work that we do, and so we'll focus for for the purposes of this conversation on the arts education programs mm-hmm. that we offer for the community. Sure. So we have individuals with all different disabilities, physical, cognitive, developmental, social, emotional, you name it. Um, we have about 200 families who come to us every Saturday for seven or eight different music programs, two adaptive dance programs, and a theater program. We serve people ages three to 93. Um, it's a wide-ranging population.
0: You quoted Mel Torme there. You <laughs> yes. know you did that. I know I did. Christmas song. Uh, no, it is a wide population, and that's what's so great about it, is that uh, Berkeley's opened up its doors with this institute to people from all levels of the community. And and there's a touching, wonderful example on the website that people can go to of that young lady, that young pianist.
1: Teresa, yes. She's really... Remarkable. Tell the
0: story real quick and then.
1: So Teresa actually has been with us since the very beginning, back in the old conservatory days, and she's worked with the same private piano teacher for her entire time with us, Rachel Jason, who, in addition to her work with us, is um, one of the strings teachers in the Lexington Public Schools um, full time. So um, Teresa and Rachel started working together and Teresa was playing very basic, simple piano melodies. But Rachel realized that she had perfect pitch and that she had... Had a really strong aptitude for music. So Rachel would assign her a piece, and then Teresa could play it in five different keys mm. without any Incredible. preparation. Mm-hmm. So now Teresa is playing opera level concert pianist repertoire, Bernstein, Rachmaninoff, serious concert pianist repertoire, and an extremely high level.
0: If one doesn't believe that there is in the human soul, something much more than just DNA. I mean, there's something going on. And that's the beauty of this. It's, it's allowing people to express themselves in other ways. If you're autistic, in this case, uh, maybe vocal communication isn't the way. But boy, does she manage it on the keyboard.
1: Exactly. Right. Exactly.
0: Larry, talk a little bit about your own experience, because you're in this for the long haul. You've been doing this and um, you're a valiant, tireless worker. And we'll talk about the merger you guys have Form the connections. But your own story.
2: Yeah, well, uh, I, I came to this uh, through a book project with a gentleman named Artemis Joukowsky, who has spinal muscular atrophy, which is a very debilitative uh, physical uh, weakness. And uh, interestingly enough, his family helped fund the new drug that's now available uh, that has stopped uh, deaths among infants who have this. They're almo- it's almost 100 percent if a child is born with it, Artemis got it when he was about 10 years old. And so he was able to uh, be mobile until recently. He's mm-hmm. more or less in a wheelchair, but because he was willing to fall a lot, uh, he could move around. Mm. He once fell crossing the street in New York. Uh, just it, it, it allows you to uh, just uh, – it's like cutting the strings of a marionette. You just fall. Mm. Um, anyways, that's how I got involved. Uh, I didn't sort of self-identify as a person with a disability, even though I had dyslexia. Uh, it, it didn't uh, show up except in certain areas in the academic world. When I went to Randolph High School, uh, I was an atrocious speller. I was horrendous at foreign languages. I managed to get Ds in all languages, including Latin, Spanish, and French. Uh, I kept shifting from one language to another language. Mm-hmm. Because I thought, well, it must be easier if I did French. And unfortunately, it didn't make any difference. Uh, and uh, when I connected with Artemis, we realized that one of the things that rotors program is showing is the different abilities of people with disabilities. But the law and our society in general uh, is not open to that philosophy until very recently. And so we uh, decided to create No Limits Media as a way of. Uh, showing projects where somebody like artemis did a film with ken burns Mm. and tom hanks uh we're doing another film around spinal muscular atrophy and research uh with geraldine dreyfus who's an academy award-winning producer and in all the projects including the things with uh, rhoda and the institute we're always trying to show the abilities of people so
0: well one such person and I mentioned this before coming on the air, is Tony Blois, who I met many, many years ago, also, strangely enough, from the same town, little town south of Boston called Randolph. His mom came to me when I was doing my late night show on WBZ and said, uh, any interest in, in interviewing us about my son? And I said, uh, well, tell me more. And I saw some videos and I was absolutely hooked. Tony is a musical savant who at birth, I think it was a pound, and was considered Unhelpable at all, and they said, Put him away. Just put him in an institution. She didn't do that. He graduated at the top of his class from Berkeley. yep, I was changed when I met Tony, and many of my listeners felt the same way.
1: There are a lot of people unfortunately who are receive that message, especially I think you know, 20, 30 years ago right. when, as a society, we didn't know what to do for people with disabilities. I mean, Temple Grandin's mother was told to put her in an institution that she would never amount to anything, mm. right? Stephen Shore, who is an internationally renowned um, expert on autism, is an as- has Asperger's syndrome himself and is a musician. Um and is very closely connected to our work. Was also told by his parents in the early 1960s, you know, you've got to put this kid in an institution. And the parents who didn't do that, who um, found a way to help their children um, get what they need in the world and be supported in a way that would bring out what is their strength, what is their passion, are, first of all, really to be admired and are the game changers in this now growing field. There's much more awareness Mm. now around disability than there was before. However, we have such a long way to go.
0: Art, music, theater, dance, all of it uh, is a a language of its own, isn't it, Rhoda? Absolutely. And as a result, it's kind of like math, if you think about it. Math is an internationally, universally accepted language of its own. But so is art, although it's much more subtle in the differences. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, I think for individuals who may have difficulty communicating with language, actually, I want to take a step back. We live in a world where, very unfortunately in my opinion, um, someone's intelligence and value is determined by how well they express themselves in language in a very particular way. Mm Mm -hmm. which is a completely mixed up set of assumptions. Mm -hmm. There are lots of people who have lots of things to say and may not say it in language verbally, right? May say it through art, may say it through music, may say it um, through theater, may say it through movement or dance, may say it in architecture, may say it in herding cattle as Temple Grandin. Um, Temple Grandin. did.
0: And they may not write it either. I think that's another point. Larry, you talked about your dyslexia. I mean, you may not be writing a sentence with the kind of clarity that the next person is, but you know exactly what you're communicating, and there's nothing to say that you're not right on with your message.
2: Well, I'm actually a writer, so— the And you're a writer. Greatest, <laughs>
0: the, the greatest gift to me is
2: spellcheck. So uh, I still submit things that have spelling errors, but it's cut way down. Uh, Yeah, no, you have to uh, you have to focus on that part of the person that is uh, special as opposed to the things that's the limitations. And that's Mm what Rhoda is providing many examples through her work. And we're trying to do the same thing through a no limits media. Unfortunately, the society still is overwhelmingly uh, in into the world of oh, my God, there's something wrong with this person. And it's very embedded. It's embedded from the 30 or 40 years of Jerry Lewis telethons. It's embedded through this uh, relentless pursuit by the media of these uh, stories they like to tell that evoke uh, emotion or tears. Uh, As Rhoda knows, Steve Hartman is particularly bad in doing this, although it's heartwarming it's also the only story they tell on CBS, and it's always on Friday, and it's always the last segment. So we mm. end of the week mm-hmm. with some kind of disability story rather than focusing on either problems in our society or on people – that are doing great things like her students.
0: Indeed, and Hollywood has done that too in terms of even who they hire to perform in various roles. I remember years ago there was a show called CSI the original and it featured a, an individual playing a doctor who had had uh, right. severe uh, was burned over much of his body and it didn't prevent him from being that character at all and he broke through and to get hired it was such an, a difficult trudge for him because of his his physical issue. These
1: issues of representation are actually really hot right now. So there's a a political movement by a lot of people with disabilities, a lot of advocates Mm -hmm. and self-advocates, because many people... Uh, Many characters with disabilities are played by people without disabilities. And many characters without disabilities are played by people without disabilities. There's a television show on Amazon, I was just telling Larry about this, um, called ABLE, which deals with these issues of representation in performing arts. Um, One story that just, I think, really encapsulates this. So Ali Stroker... Phenomenal actress and singer, uses a wheelchair, won the Tony this year for playing Ado Annie in Oklahoma. Mm. So she wins the Tony Award. Now, the way the the show had gone of the Tony Awards, she happened to be backstage because she had been on stage earlier as a presenter. So she was able to come onto stage and receive that award because she was backstage. If she had been in the audience, there's no ramp
0: no for ramp. that stage. No it
1: stairs access. Yeah. She would have been stuck in the audience, unable to receive her Tony Award. It, it shows the, the, mis- yeah, the disconnect yeah, this there. is
0: 2019, right? I mean, exactly. exactly. So we have a ways to go, no question about it. I want to go back to the work that's being done at the Berkeley Institute for Arts, Education and Special Needs, and the the training of the trainers, because I think this is where you're really making strides. It's not just the wonderful population you're helping, but it's also the people who want to help those people. Talk about them.
1: So in addition to those Saturday Arts Education programs that we do, we um, focus on... Arts educators, generally speaking, receive virtually no training and very little in-service support on working with any of any population other than a neurotypical population. Mm. So we're trying to bridge that gap. And we do it in two sort of related ways. We have the only graduate programs in music education and autism mm. on the planet. So we train... Um, current and soon-to-be teachers in all art forms, how better to work with students with all disabilities, although we do have a focus academically on autism spectrum disorders in in that work. And it is students and alums from those graduate programs who are the teaching staff on Saturdays. And the quality of that teaching is extraordinary. In addition to that, we do a lot of teacher professional development We will, this April, have our ninth annual conference on arts education and people with disabilities. We offer study groups. We offer online um, convenings. We give workshops. We do consultations, all with this idea to help as many arts educators who are passionate about what they do and really want to reach everybody. And many of them have these great isolated success stories, Mm. but they don't have – um, tools, systems, and sort of an overall big picture understanding of how to do that. Can't without. get
0: any more big picture than Berkeley, as far as I'm concerned. Sure. I mean, I know we're being a little parochial here, but this is uh, an internationally- renowned institution sure and making great ways. Now, what are you two doing uh, collectively? Let's talk about that, Larry.
2: Well, uh, I'm uh, doing a program uh, with Bloomberg Television called Inclusion and in Work, uh, which is going to focus on the kinds of things that Rhoda was just talking about in the education world, in the, in the corporate world, in terms of trying to get to the specific things that help companies actually hire people with disabilities. So, uh, and we're also developing a program for PBS called Rolling Across America with uh, Chris Waddell, who is a Paralympic champion who was paralyzed when he fell down a mountain when he was about 20. Mm. And it would be the first travel show where a person with a disability just travels around America. He actually does this all the time. Uh, on his own where he gives speaking uh, in lectures. Mm. Uh, and lectures. Uh, the, and the hope is to just have people follow Chris, to not only have information about a particular city, but also to find in each city uh, something around disability. You, you
0: talked earlier about the media portrayal so often, which is designed to get people's emotions going and to have them cry a lot and then say, oh, isn't that nice, they've survived. What you're talking about is, hey, this is what we do. It just happens to be what we do and who we are. Exactly, yeah. Just because we're in a wheelchair doesn't mean we don't travel.
2: No, in (laughs) fact, people with disabilities travel a great deal either by themselves or with their parents or with friends. And and it's an unrecognized area within the travel industry. Again, they're they're invisible in a sense. So we're trying to create visibility.
0: So getting back to where we are now and where we want to be, I mean, you've got a lot of plans, both of you. Well, the sky is the limit, but hopefully that the limits are not as much a barrier as they were in the past. Where do you there see? There are
1: the? no limits, which is well, why it's no limits media. No limits well, media. Just, Sorry,
0: yeah, of course we're, we're just cooking up a book project on the way over
2: here uh, for parents, a, a guide uh, for their for their children and how the arts can help their lives.
0: So, so. let's talk though about right now. Uh, if you could wave your magic wand, Rhoda, what would you like to see happen
1: in would, terms of our collective work? Both or generally? and also in general. So, in terms of our collective work, um, we need an angel funder okay. uh, to help us make these television shows happen um, and stick over a long term and we're the arts partner for that so um, some of our students with disabilities will be writing music that will be featured in those programs as well as um, our work will be featured in the Boston Visit in terms of our programs and our students and So what we're looking for
0: obviously support financial support yes. and and I believe in my heart of hearts that there are angel investors out there who would love to jump on board and do this. I know it's a struggle for anybody to find money but.
2: Well it's pretty Particularly hard in this area because although uh, disability is part of the diversity uh, efforts, uh, they tend to be the last group looked at. You mm. know, as other groups have more political power, more economic power, uh, companies respond to them, and they get around to uh, people with disabilities. So right, right. that's what we're trying to break through in uh, in multiple efforts. Uh, you know, and the more images, counter images to the the normal kinds of images that the media likes to pursue the better uh, and and so uh, you know we're working together on as many projects as we can think of that's at great. the same time
0: what really impressed me what in that video that's on the site and I'll give that site uh, several plugs is the empathy and the love and the communication and the connection between the teacher and the student that's something that you know you you can't just write up a thesis and say, this is the way it's supposed to work. It has to It's magic. It has to happen, right? I really
1: appreciate your saying that. So um, we had a new student who started in the fall. He had actually been with us. We do a week-long summer music day camp. We do two sessions of that. And he had joined us for two weeks last summer. And so it continued with us this fall. And I was, you know, every Saturday I spend the whole day at the program's Um, taking visitors around, observing, meeting with folks, talking with families. And one of the moms, his mom, came to me a few weeks ago and she said, there's so much love here. Um, And that's exactly right. We do create, and and I give my instructors, I have 27 phenomenal people who teach for me. I give them a lot of credit. Um, It is a safe warm, nurturing environment that celebrates each individual person that gets to know them and what they value and what they can do and just brings that out. So another plug, we do um, in May um, end of the year performances by our students, and they will be May 2nd and 3rd. So we now have so many folks who need to perform. We need two concerts on each of two days to fit them all in. Mm. Um, But I believe that's a Saturday, Sunday. It is May second and third. We'll be featuring our students in our end of year recitals, and you have never seen a day with more love. And in is that your open life. to the public? It is open right. to the public.
0: So I can help you promote that on local radio. I'll definitely do that. I guess the overall question also reflects societal changes. The fact that we have. Hollywood still behind the times, but hopefully getting the message. What else has to happen? What would you like to see happen?
2: Well, the same thing that Rhoda's talking about uh, in in her world is the kind of environment needs to be created in the business corporate world. They Mm -hmm. have to shift out of, oh, my God, we have to have a ramp. We have to have a special place. They need special things to this is going to be a great experience for this company. We're going to be bringing in people who will add value to us and also to engage us in new and creative ways to think about what we're doing. And it is part of what they call neurodiversity, having different voices in the room, whether it's women or African-Americans or people with disabilities. And out of that will come uh, levels of creativity that companies can't imagine right now.
0: You said something earlier, and you just reflected on it again. You know, we believe consistently in diversity, diversity, diversity. The one group that has been at the the back end of that discussion is the uh, is the disabled.
2: Yeah, the, it's part of it. They don't have political power. That's part of it. Yeah. And, and they they are not conceived of as an economic demographic. And so they're not part of advertising budgets they're not specifically targeted by anybody. And because there's different kinds of disabilities, they're looked at as a fragmented community, if they're even looked at as a community. right? right.
0: I met a comedian recently. Her oh, name escapes me. I'm so sorry. She's actually on my podcast many uh, months ago. And she did a, a piece. She had cerebral palsy, I believe. And she did a talk. Also, uh, Jerry Jewell, you may know that name. As an upcoming guest on my On Mic podcast, what I loved about these two gals is the fact that they get up there and they start right in joking about themselves. And it makes a, people a little uncomfortable at first, but it's an amazing way to break the ice, if you will. I think all of us take ourselves pretty seriously at times, and I think the comics really do a great job. Oh, you're absolutely right. She wrote it down. Mason Saeed. Boy, are you good, Broda. <laughs> that Randolph education really came. I, I can't remember what I had for breakfast.
1: I'm a big fan of Mason Zayed. It's I met. Fan Fantastic.
0: I met her at an event for the Epilepsy Foundation that I was involved in hosting, and I fell in love with her. She killed that night, absolutely killed. And she's talking to a bunch of people who are supporting, you know, research into helping save lives. And she absolutely disarmed everyone, and I and, uh, had to have her on I'm the trying trip. to
1: bring her to Berkeley.
0: I'll uh, put in a good word. Uh, I would oh, appreciate she'd be that. a charm. That'd be fantastic. You
2: know, Larry David has done a number of things on Christmas curb your enthusiasm around disability.
0: You know, you're absolutely right. And people, the politically correct scene would argue that it's unfair. And But no, I believe it brings attention in a different way. He did a thing in the men's room. He, yes. he was using the
2: stall and he comes out and there's a guy in a wheelchair and he says, what are you doing? Says, well, there's nobody in there. I mean, yeah. what do you want me to do? I, exactly.
0: You know, exactly. Uh,
2: you know, so it, it is very important to get that kind of perspective and get us to laugh at these human situations. Boy, am I
0: I impressed, Rhoda, that you helped me. You saved me with Maysoon's name. That's so great. Well, listen, uh, let's do the plugs now and set people up with the right links. And of course, we'll add them to the podcast sites as well. Larry, starting with you, what is your web uh, presence? dot nolimitsmedia.org. No dot org. Pretty resounding. No Limits. No Limits. Come on.
2: Yeah, man.
0: And uh, I know yours is a little bit longer because uh, Berkeley's at the front end, but Berkeley is B-E-R-K-L-E-E. What do you do after that?
1: Dot E-D-U. Right. Slash. And this is where it gets a little tricky. B-I-A-E-S-N. And that is Berkeley Institute Arts Education Special Needs. I guarantee
0: folks when they go to that website. Even if they have no personal interest in it, it, just check it out. You will be awed and uh, impressed and moved. Because I'm telling you, there's so many great things happening over there. Thank you. And not to mention the fact that there's music just blowing up in Boston because of Berkeley. Everybody I know is a Berkeley grad making great music.
1: It's an incredible place to work. And it's really been a fantastic transition for us um, as an entity to now be an institute there.
0: So we want people to support these organizations. Art is everything. Take it away from life. Take music away from life. You have no life. I mean, so think about what it means to people who uh, can express themselves that way. Thank you, Bo. Both for joining us on the podcast today. We really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks once again for listening to Dyslexics Wanted. We're seeking personal stories about your dyslexia journey and would love to hear from you. If you or someone you care about have a story to tell, we would consider featuring it on this podcast. Send the story to me, Jordan. That's J-O-R-D-A-N. Jordan at chartproductions.com. Chart is spelled C-H-A-R-T. We'd love to hear from you. Remember to subscribe, download, rate, and review this podcast, available on all major web platforms. And once again, for much more, visit WICD.org. That's WICD.org.